Doing a little something different today using my laptop. Uh, the good news is I have like a five-hour battery life on this thing. So uh, it's typed out four pages, and there's more suggestions in there. So, uh, but it's 14-point font. So it, it four pages, but you could probably you could probably squeeze that down to uh, down to probably three. You can see everything is color coded, and I actually have a I have a, a system that I use um, with that. I've probably known for about a week or so that Sean wasn't going to be here, and he's like, hey, I need you to preach for him. He's like, no problem. Um, and, and I really, this last week, I was off at missions camp. It's a camp put on by the state convention. It's engaged camp, and uh, it's totally 100% missions, uh, missions education, missions um, empowering, and then going out and doing mission work. Uh, very evangelistic by nature. It's, uh, it's the only one of two camps that the state convention puts on. The other one is super summer, and so... Uh, it was a really good camp this last week, and uh, it's kind of a busy week, and it's hot out. I don't know if you noticed, but it's hot out. Uh, those of you who really like summer, I hope you're happy. I, I hope I hope you're happy because I am a winter person, and I feel we've got the two of us, winter. I love winter. You can always get warm, but you can never get cold enough in the summer. And Liz is shaking her head no. She's a, are you a summer person? Are you happy? Every day you go outside, like, I feel like I'm dying. Um, this last week we were at a church called the Garage Church, it's a cool place, and uh, we were outside painting uh, for two days, and so um, a lot of the work we did, we did and other groups did, was a lot of it was outside or in a building with no air conditioning, and so um, it, was, it was a tough week. But I really thought about what I was going to share today and where God was really taking me. This summer's been a really busy summer, uh, at least for me in our student ministry. So this summer we took three trips, and... Uh, I calculated the miles, about 4,000 miles that we drove. Uh, we took students to regular camp in Texas, student leadership, went to Florida, and then engaged camp last week. We went down to Perrin, just uh, outside. We actually served in Hot Springs, so we went, went down there. So about 4,000 4, miles. Uh, the original camp, we did uh, serve camp, and, it, and it's um, uh, missions-oriented, just a little bit lighter than maybe the engaged camp at Longview Dream Center. One day, us and two other youth groups, we served about 200 families in the food pantry. I don't know how many pellets of clothes we sorted through, probably 10 pellets of clothes, because they have a, 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 an area to shop for clothes, and then they have the, the food pantry. Uh, I worked on some sanitation bags for men and women. We made about, uh, about 750 of those in a couple hours. And, uh, so that was a great, uh, great week. And then uh, student leadership, we went down to, uh, to Florida, Student Leadership University, uh, they had the opportunity to engage and talk to and ask questions of some of the uh, top influential leaders in our country and uh, be able to ask questions and um, to just learn from them. And so it was a great, great week there. And then I just mentioned we served at the Garage Church. Uh, it's a church in downtown Hot Springs. It serves uh, homeless men and women. It's a, it's a church, about 100 people. It was an old garage, an old power company. Uh, used to store their stuff there. And... Um, and so they've been working on it, converting it, and trying to get it fixed up. They've got some areas fixed, and they're still working on a new kitchen and, and Sunday school rooms and classrooms and, and stuff like that. And so they have uh, people who are homeless, but they're working, and they're working in the transition into being able to save up enough money to get their own place and to, to help uh, educate and, and uh, with job stuff, job training and stuff. And so, man, it's a really super awesome ministry. I think, I didn't know it even existed until last week when we were assigned there, and I'm, I bet, venture to guess nobody in this room uh, knew that or kind of knows uh, what's going on. Um, 
And then this last week, one of the speakers didn't show up, and so, uh, and they had two breakout sessions, plus they were speaking, so the guy in charge of the camp took the large group time, and I took the breakout sessions at an hour to prepare. But most of you know, I have no problem talking. So, uh, it was easy uh, to, to come up with uh, in it being missions. And there were two students there that they are serving in the state of Arkansas. They call them interns, but they're really missionaries uh, due to legal issues and concerns and all that kind of stuff. Student Student missionaries with legal stuff has kind of gone away to the word intern, but they're doing mission work, but they use the word intern. And so two of the students were uh, living at Perrin, and one was uh, serving in the state convention, the other one was serving at Camp Perrin. And it really reminded me of the, the, the time that I came to Arkansas. I'd, I told the, the students this, and James is not here, John's here. I said, well, this is going to sound a lot like my breakout session, a little bit. Um, when my, mis- uh, my BCM director tricked me into going to, uh, on my missions team to Arkansas, I had no idea where Arkansas was located on a map. I'd only been to Chicago because that's my birthplace. I'm a north sider. Um, don't claim the clubs right now. I hear they're not doing too good, but I haven't paid much attention. Um, and then Florida, where I grew up. And I didn't know much of the world or anything around it, and so I didn't know where Arkansas was. I do remember... Uh, taking a very big plane to Atlanta and then having to walk on the tarmac and its third one on the left, uh, you know, flying dark. It was one row of seats and then two row of seats, and you feel everything in those small planes. And I'd really flown in a, a plane before. And so, you know, reminding me of those college students who were serving around our state this summer in missions, in, uh, whether they're sophomores, juniors, uh, soon to be seniors. Uh, that they're serving, and it reminded me of my time my, and my students, and so my breakout session was, was talking about why summer missions uh, for students, talking to junior high and high school students and opportunities uh, that they have, and uh, which I'm not really talking about that this morning, a little something a little bit different than that, but I, I've learned that Arkansas is a unique state. Is there anybody in here that is not from Arkansas, was not born here, and is a, is a transplant? we would call a transplant. So um, how many hands? How many? Just a few? That's a, that's a few, a few, but most, most it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I surveyed the students out of all the students that I had. There were only six, and most of them came from large cities like Houston, uh, OKC, St. Louis. Uh, I forget the town in Tennessee. Somebody came from, of course, I grew up in Tampa. My wife's from Miami. You know, six million of your closest friends on the interstate with you every day as you commute an hour to work. Um, and so unique, Arkansas is unique. And then I'll never forget, it's not quite seven years ago, I'm in a Deacon's meeting, and, and they like to pick on the city boy. I've learned a few things since then. Uh, but I remember sitting in the Deacon's meeting, and one of the Deacons, you know, says, hey, you want to come over to my house and help me rake the field? And I'm thinking, that's going to take a really long time to rake the field, right? I, mean, I, was that, I was kind of just that naive and didn't know. Some of you are thinking, oh, my gosh. And I was thinking, do like 50 people show up with rakes and then you rake it? Or is it 25? I mean, how many people do you need to cover 50 acres? Um, obviously, they make equipment for that, right? Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, this guy is. Uh, but that's all I knew. I, my, my, I grew up, if, I don't know if you know zero lot lines are, but between the houses, there's like four to six feet between the actual structures. So that's, you know, this far. If you have a 20-inch mower, it's two swipes down the left, two swipes down the right. Uh, four swipes in the back and four in the front, and you're done with the yard work. you got to push the mower, and you're done in like 10 minutes, tops. And so that's, that's the world I grew up in. There wasn't much grass, and there were hardly any trees. And the only time you saw grass is when you were playing football or soccer or baseball. Like, oh, look at all that grass. And so, you know, there's, there is nature everywhere around here. Um, 
And the one thing about people in Arkansas I like is their nature, whether it's the Buffalo River or hiking, uh, waterfalls. Like, there's just so much here. And, and uh, I'm just in awe. And, and just every time I drive to church and just in the hills, I'm amazed by the creation uh, that exists here uh, in Arkansas because I didn't uh, grow up with that. And so, uh, you know, the Buffalo River, especially people here, is, is unique to this area. Probably the other thing is uh, the things that people in Arkansas eat. Um, I became known as the squirrel guy last week because I, I had the breakout sessions on the first day, and I surveyed all the students, how many of you have eaten squirrel? So I'm going to ask you all, how many of you all have eaten squirrel? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Yeah, see, if you did that in Florida, there's like, everybody looks at you like, what? That is a rodent in a tree, even if you find one. All right, like that's, people eat that? And so uh, I'm, my mother-in-law's visiting next year, but she's not coming here, but I want to cook her squirrel, have her eat it, and then tell her later she ate the squirrel because... Uh, because that would just be fun. Um, that, would, that would just be fun. And, and to be honest, I have tried squirrel. I don't appreci- really appreciate the, the flavor of it. Um, my son, who has now spent half his life in Arkansas, is, uh, does like his squirrel. Um, and and I, I surveyed the kids, and it turns out, this is an unofficial survey of the kids. Now, we'll ask you this. So unofficial survey of the students that I had this week was how many of you like it fried? How many of you like it fried? Raise your hand if you like it fried. Mm, a little different. How many of you like it in dumplings? Mm, it's about the same. At, at camp, most, almost all the girls preferred it fried, and almost all the boys preferred it in dumplings. And that was an unofficial uh, deal there. So the adults were like, were you that squ- talk about squirrel in your breakout sessions? Yes, yes, I was. Um, I never thought in a million years I'd ever eat squirrel because... You know, I call it the chicken of the trees. You might do might call that too. Um, it's the other, other, other white meat. Um, but that's kind of, and I'm sure people in Missouri and maybe surrounding areas. But but growing up, that just was not. I mean, that was just you know, it's it's whatever you get at the grocery store, right? Like I hunt some mean chicken, um, you know, down there in the meat case, and so uh, you know, so that's kind of unique. But you know, the interesting thing is that our world's changing. Uh, I, 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 the longer you've been alive, the longer you've known, the world's probably changing. Um, these, these last uh, three, uh, the, this last summer and the three weeks we've been away, I've really, it, it really turns out I've been around a lot of people who are serving in the North American Mission Board. Uh, our, our camp pastor, our speaker for the week at camp was Shane Pruitt. He's the next-gen minister at Heads That Up at NAM, And then um, hanging around people in our state convention this last week. Uh, I got to hang out with Bob Fielding, which y'all just went on that trip with him. And then Travis uh, McCormick, who actually heads up the camp for the state convention, he's in, he's in charge of the, the ABN newspaper for the, for the state, and then also uh, men's and uh, boys' ministries, as well as some of the mission stuff uh, as well. And so uh, the WMU president for the state was at Engage Camp this last week, so uh, each night getting to spend a little bit of time with her and see what's going on in the state, what's going on in missions, and what's going on in IMB and NAM and stuff. And so a lot of... My paths, this, my, my paths this summer have crossed uh, a lot with uh, uh, people. And, you know, the interesting thing, especially the focus this, this summer, was that um, we, we talk about going on mission trips and we talk about reaching the nations. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there are 170 people groups that now live in the state of Arkansas from different countries. Um, uh, Little Rock's got a huge uh, uh, population uh, from India. Uh, estimated somewhere around 3,000 people. Uh, I don't even know if you know this, but there's a Buddhist, uh, Buddhist temple retreat center in Newton County. Uh, it's kind of tucked away and hidden, but most of you probably don't know uh, that that's, that's happening down in Newton County, which is just a stone's throw 
uh, from here, and I'm sure most people didn't think the Buddhists uh, would ever have a retreat center or a place in Newton County. And so, um, you know, our, our, our world's shrinking, it's getting smaller, and, and the, uh, the nations are moving uh, to America, they're moving to uh, our state, probably one of the largest churches. Um, we've, we've got uh, Burmese, uh, a Burmese church in our association that's in Green Forest. And I, I think they're running a couple, couple hundred people and, uh, and continuing to grow. Uh, out there, and um, and so the nations are moving here. So we got to hear uh, one of the, one of the pastors of the church plant, Little Rock, is trying to reach the the people of India. They're uh, they're, they're lost. Uh, he, he did share some stories that I, I wish I could repeat, but I can't repeat because this is being uh, live streamed. But um, uh, but it's it's amazing to see uh, kind of what's going on in our state, and these are things that we probably don't even realize or or know about, and. Um, and so our, our world's getting smaller. I, I want to go ahead and reread the scripture this morning. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to kind of hang out in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. And um, as I was really trying to figure out what I was going to do for my, my small groups and uh, my breakout sessions and what it was going to look like, like this passage came across my mind. And so I, I've just been spending some time on it uh, this last, uh, especially this last week, and, and trying to gain uh, just some wisdom, some knowledge, and um, what God has for me, what God has for you, what God has for uh, our, our church as a whole, uh, not, not just our church, but the uh, church universal and what we should be uh, doing. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and read that. I want Abby, uh, thanks for reading that this morning uh, for me. Uh, starting in verse 19, uh, it says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may uh, win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. Uh, to those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. Uh, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, uh, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a follower, partaker of it. Lord, this morning as we spend time, uh, Lord, we continue to spend time in, in your word, uh, to spend time in what you have uh, for each of us in this room this morning. May we uh, see uh, and know your desire for our lives, Lord, for this uh, country for this generation that is uh, uh, with us, Lord. I, I just uh, pray this morning that we would uh, just seek to, to follow you as a church and to minister to those around us. You know, we pray. Amen. So I mentioned the, the people in, in my paths that I have uh, come across uh, this summer, and there are two things we've, we've talked about. It, it doesn't matter uh, who I've been with uh, and who I've talked. It, it's the, the two things that are the topic of conversation. Uh, there's one is the lostness of this generation and leadership, uh, and with, Sh with Shane Pruitt, it was like student leadership, and so he's been working on some stuff. Uh, I didn't even know who Shane Pruitt was uh, until we had it for camp, and then him and I got to spend some time that week and just talk about, he's got some, actually some stuff coming out uh, this fall about, uh, about leadership, student leadership, and so uh, it is, it is uh, talking to him. It is the only book on student leadership that is being uh, published and put out um, uh, in the last probably a uh, few years and in coming years. And so uh, publishers like, yeah, let's do it. Don't even know what it's going to look like, but we're going to go ahead and do it. And so uh, that because there's just such a, a, a lacking uh, of leadership and, and especially among student leadership. And so the two things about lostness and student leadership. And, you know, last week we talked about kids and um, 
kids' ministry and how Jesus uh, handled kids, treated kids, and how important kids were. And so today I, I am going to talk about teenagers some because that is the world in which I live in. So Generation Z, which is generally the byproduct of Generation X, X, Z, it's kind of, kind of interesting how they kept those numbers together. But Generation Z is age 10 to 25. If you are age 10 to 25, would you stand for me? If you're 10 years old to 25 years old, would you stand? You can keep standing. You can, you can. Uh, all right, keep standing because I'm going to share. I'm going to share some numbers with you. Generation Z, 10 to 10 to 25 years old. There are 67.06 million of you in our country. So you are you are one of 67.0599999999 million in this country. You can go ahead and sit down. 67.06 million of you in your generation. Uh, generation Z um, is designed as a, is defined as the most post-Christian generation in the United States. Uh, talking to Shane uh, about that, Barna Barna Group. Uh, I don't know if you know, does a lot of research. George Barna is a Christian. Uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, actually spend some time with him several years ago. He does numbers. He does the, all that research. Uh, so Barna's done research. North American Mission Board has done research. Lifeway's done research. research. And Generation Z is the most post-Christian generation uh, in, the United, in the United States. And there's 67.06 million of you in your generation. And some of you are thinking, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And you're like, you, and you could even be uh, in denial some about the numbers because, because this has happened in our country. And, um, and, and so uh, post-Christian, what is it? So I'm going to read what post, what post, so post-Christianity. Post-Christianity is a situation in which Christianity is no longer the dominant civil religion of a society, but has gradually assumed values, cultural, culture, and worldviews that are not necessarily Christian. Post-Christian trends, uh, post-Christian tends to refer to the loss of Christianity's monopoly in historical Christian societies, right? Situation in which Christianity is no longer the dominant civil religion of a society, but has gradually assumed values, culture, and worldviews that are not necessarily Christian. Generation Z in our country is the most uh, post-Christian generation in uh, the history of the United States. Uh, looking back through numbers and statistics, they believe the post-Christian era began in 1930. So it's not something that started last week, last year, the year before. 1930 is when the church started to, uh, to decline, uh, saw less uh, people attending church. So, so uh, they've been pouring through data. And that's the thing about living in the current time right now. Uh, is that you can look back. So I'm, I'm kind of a numbers person, data-driven. I coach cross-country and track, and both of those sports are, are driven by numbers and times and places. And so you can quantify, uh, you know, if I, want, if I have 10 people run a 100-meter dash and it's all electric time, I can actually quantify and I can have the four fastest people who are the four fastest people who uh, will be in a four-by-one because I can see the numbers and it's there. Uh, and so extensive research and study has been done. Um, research has shown, if you look at uh, NAM's numbers, NAM, NAM will say that 80% of Generation Z is lost. 80%. That's 53 million students aged 10 to 25 in this country that are lost. 53 million out of 67 million that are lost. There are 12, there are 12 markers for what uh, a post-Christian post is, and in order to fit into those categories, you have to 
uh, in order to be a Christian, to, to quantify as Christian, not Christian, you have to fit in those, into to, to those categories. And so um, to be a Christian, you don't even have to hit all 12. They're looking at like six to eight. Um, some will estimate, uh, if you look at Barna, you'll, some will estimate that 90% of Generation Z is lost because some of the numbers is that, well, if you, you're not post-Christian, if you go to church, you know, three times a year, you're not post-Christian, you know, if you read your Bible one time a month, where uh, on, on the other side is that as a Christian, we should be reading our Bible weekly, attending church weekly, we should be in fellowship with one another, uh, amongst other things in the criteria. And so, I, I asked a student, and, and I, I shared this, and I, said, I asked one of the students, I pointed to her and said, all right, 53, 53 million people in your generation are lost in this country that if they died today, they would go to hell because they don't know who Jesus is. What are you going to do about it? You know, like, you know, Abby, how are you going to reach 53 million people your age? Yeah, that's the look she gave me, like, I... I I don't know, you make a TikTok, you get millions of views, and then you learn to monetize it for the gospel, right? Um, and some of you, if you're not on TikTok, you know, the more followers you have, you can actually turn that into money. Um, and so there are 18-year-olds who are millionaires because they are monetizing their YouTube and TikTok channels. Uh, and, and if you, how many of you don't know what that is? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. No, no, yeah. So, like, people have made a career out of YouTube making videos, and they make millions of dollars uh, doing that because they get, they get views. Uh, and they sell advertisement. And so uh, that is actually a business that this current generation uh, engages in. Uh, for some of you, your engagement was you work at the grocery store, you work at the gas station, you, uh, you work your way up into management. Uh, now you get a 14-year-old who makes videos on how to whatever, do something or whatever, and they are millionaires because they are monetizing that, uh, able to monetize that. And so um, obviously our world has, has changed and the focus has changed. They do call it Generation Z. They actually call you screen-agers because of your screens. You've always known the Internet. The Internet has always been there for you, all right? Your tablets, your phones, your laptops. Uh, everybody that spoke this week used their laptop, and I was like, mm, I, I should be hip and trendy and use my laptop. And, uh, and so, um, you know, so I'm, I'm using it this morning, Lord willing, that it doesn't crash. So, um, so the real question is, just like I asked you, like, what are we going to do with this generation? Like, what, what, do we, what are we... You know, every generation and since 1930 uh, has, has declined. And, and the elder, elder generation, the post-war generation, by percentage, is still the highest attending church, uh, Bible-focused generation in this, in this country. Uh, by, by numbers, that generation is, is dying off. Um, that pop, their population in the country, I think, is just under 2 million people now. Uh, but by percentage, they are the most... Um, Christian would be considered uh, for that generation post-war. Um, so what are we going to really do about it? And this is something I've been pondering for probably the last four years of my life. Uh, as I've, uh, This is year 28 for me for student ministry. I've, I've been always working with students and children and college-age students for the last 28 years uh, of my life. And it seems like every year it gets a little bit harder. I don't know if it's because I'm older or uh, it's just getting harder. Um, I, think, I think it is. Uh, getting a little bit harder. We were talking before service. Uh, un unfortunately, this, this last week, there were two teenage suicides that took place uh, in our general area. Uh, our crime rate is, is, is up uh, in our area. And, you know, we, we like, what, well, what's going on? And so what, what do we do? Uh, what do we do? So I'm going to kind of, 
jump around in these, in these verses, so I'm not really going in order. But verse 22 uh, there in 1 Corinthians says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I, by means, may save some. When Paul's talking about the weak here, he, he's actually really talking about a, a group of people who... Um, there's, there's a couple, there's a little bit of discussion about what it, it actually means, but I think most, most people, based on my research, would, would kind of hold this, this idea that there was a group of people that Paul was trying to reach who would not eat meat sacrificed to idols. Uh, that's a problem we don't have uh, this day, um, but because, you know, Jesus came and, and Paul's like, you know, Paul says, I don't live, have to live under the law, but I, I hang out with people who live under the law, and I live under the law so I can... Um, do that, and so reach people for the for the for the gospel, and so uh, so he talks about the weak, so people who you know aren't really still eating meat that are sacrificed to idols, and and uh, and so the the weak people, and it's almost like he's calling them almost spiritually weak, but but not quite, but but people who are just doing something out of practice, right, routine, because that's what they've been told to do. How many of y'all have routines that you keep? How many of you get up the same day every morning? That's, that's a big routine. How many of y'all get up same same time every morning? A few. My wife's routine is like ironclad. Like, to the, she doesn't really, yeah. I could do the Sean thing and give you like a dollar every time I mention you. I, I got a 10, 10 spot for you. Um, all right, her routine, man, it's like by the minute. She gets up, uh, her bathroom time, her closet time, her breakfast time, um, right, and so it is, it is routine, but she's also an educator, and educators live by schedules, right? You have a schedule. Do you ever wake up one day and go, you know what? I don't want to take my science classes, period. Give me history. You don't do that, right? Because, well, all, all the time, yeah. Yeah, and, and I've never seen a strange educational, uh, the way things are set up in your grade. You, you have the wheel and some interesting things, and I still, to this day, after three years, do not understand how that works, um, but we, you know, so educators live by, by schedule. Uh, I, myself, based on my personality, uh, we, we did a personality profile test at SLU this summer, and, and on the disc profile, I'm an I, and so, like, I hate suits, I don't like schedules, I don't like to be confined, although I do live by schedule because I'm not an anarchist, right? I, I have to have order and, and to get things accomplished and be structured, and so, uh, so Paul, you know, talking about the weak and just the, the way they've been trained to live, the way they've been living their lives and, and just doing what people have told them to. And so they're struggling with this idea of, of having meat that's been sacrificed to idols, which means, you know, there shouldn't be idols to begin with. And so this is a, it's a people group uh, that, that is, is most likely lost, and, and they are people like this. So Paul... Uh, in his reference to this, says he becomes weak. All right, so for, for Paul in this situation, he's not going, you know, he goes into say, hey, let's go, I'm going to go hang out with, uh, you know, James over here, and he uh, is, is one person who's classified as weak, so I'm going to go ha- go to his house, and, you know, obviously they're not having meat sacrificed for animals, and there's no eat, it's probably eating vegetables, right? Uh, I'm not a vegetarian by, by any means. Uh, I used to not like vegetables until my, until my cholesterol was high. And then I learned to love vegetables because that's what the doctor told me. And, um, and so Paul, Paul makes that sacrifice in his diet uh, to, to not eat the meat, that he might sit around a table and have the opportunity uh, to share the gospel 
with this people group uh, that are lost. Uh, Paul talks about being free from the law, that he's not under the law. He's not under the law uh, of Moses, that he is free, but yet he chooses to live under the law uh, with another people group uh, that he uh, might be able to have the opportunity to share uh, the gospel uh, with them. I, uh, one, of the, one of the books we've been reading this summer, uh, well, actually we read it this last year, Student Leadership, they read six books this year uh, in, order to, to, um, in order to be able to go to SLU as part of it. This is one of the books. It's called Spiritual Leadership. I highly recommend it to, uh, I highly recommend it to uh, all of you. It's by J. Oswald Sanders. Um, it's, it's a few hundred pages, but it's a good book. It has questions in the back uh, that we all went through. And um, it's, it's a great, it's a, it's a really good book. Didn't even know the book existed until uh, earlier, earlier this year. And so, um, but, but part of it in there, uh, part of it in there is really uh, talking about uh, spiritual leadership, leadership, what the church looks like now, what the church could look like in the future, and really uh, what's going on. Because this, is this isn't a much older book, and, um, but I, I highly recommend it. And I always, I always say leaders are, leaders are readers, and, um, you know, and so it's important to, to read. It's important to uh, engage your mind and thought process. And, uh, and that's one of the things where this year I've probably read about, probably about six to eight books. Uh, but most of you don't know this, but Sean probably reads about, mm, probably about 10 to 15, if not 20 books a year. Um, uh, he's, a, he's an avid reader, uh, not, as, not, as much as, uh, not as much as I am, but uh, it engages conversation and engages thought, and it's an opportunity uh, outside the Bible, especially with uh, reading on spiritual things, to to grow uh, in knowledge, and so, but there's a chapter in here that talks about uh, handing off uh, to the next generation. And when we talk about leadership, we talk about handing it off uh, to the next generation. And there's a chapter in here, and it kind of, you know, kind of hurts a little bit, right? Like it kind of hurts, just like you know, this generation's monetizing monetizing off of YouTube and TikTok. And 20 years ago, that was not even a thought that you could that would even exist, let alone make money from it. Um, is that handing off to the next generation for, for most, most people is hard. Because the next generation is certainly going to do it differently. Right? Education processes change. Uh, ministries and church change. Like, it's hard to hand it off to the next generation. Um, and, and after reading that book, and Sean and I actually read that book, so, hey, I've read this book, and it's really brought some things to mind, is that one day... Uh, one day, I'm not going to be the youth minister here. Like, I'll be dead. Like, I'll be gone, right? And who, who's going to, I know, my, my son's like pool and the dog. That's what I'm getting. Um, if you can find the life insurance papers, buddy. Um, no, he knows where they're at. I get my brakes checked regularly on my car just to make sure. So, um, but I'm not going to always be here, right? You're not always going to be here. All right, this Generation Z that's just stood up, right? Some of them are in school, some of them are finishing school, some of them are in junior high, uh, right? And so they, they are the generation that's up and coming. And, and this book's like, at some point, you have to hand off to the next generation. At some point, you have to let some things go, right? Uh, you know, in that chapter, talked about, like, they're going to lead different, right? They're going to do different things. They're already doing different things in the world, um, but in some avenues, they're not allowed to do different things, or they're not, and because they can't do that, may they not be? They may not be in some of those areas. So it's going to be different. It's going to look different. It may it, not that it's going to be better, not that it's going to be worse. It's just going to be different. Uh, the the thing about our, our student leadership team that we have is that we all sit around a table, 
and they throw out uh, ideas of things to do. Uh, for the last two years, they have picked every Wednesday night Bible study that I've talked about. Uh, some of them have had the opportunity to teach Bible study, but they pick the topics that we talk about, with the exception of one, the beginning of the summer, I picked the topic for one Wednesday night because I thought that was important, but for the last two years, every Wednesday night, they've picked a topic. They're in school. They're dealing with their classmates and their teachers, and they know what's going on, uh, and while I'm at school every day and I know some things, they know exactly what's going on. They know what their peer group uh, needs to hear from God and God's Word, and so they, uh, pick, those, they pick those topics, and... Um, and so, um, and so we do that. Uh, I'm accountable to them uh, just as much as they are accountable to me. Um, because of my nature and my personality, I forget things a lot. And so uh, I'll just say Abby's really good at reminding me, like, hey, weren't you supposed to do that? Or um, uh, didn't we talk about um, doing that? And so uh, keeps keeps us all on track. Uh, our, our group is diverse and unique and different uh, uh, skills, talents, uh, and abilities. And so, um, you know, trying to equip them because for a long time, and I, and I talked about this, talking about this with Shane and talking about this with uh, some people in our state conventions, that for the longest time, for the longest time, we've just kind of gone by almost an autopilot in, in our churches and our ministries and uh, what we're doing. And we, we tend to just kind of keep doing the same things, um, trying to expect the same results, and yet, um, yet things, things uh, are declining. So, um, and we're an interesting, you know, COVID hit, you know, what, two years ago? Is it two years? A little more than two years ago. And uh, so we're, we're kind of in an interesting time in our country. Most of you probably realize that, right? Um, that, and here's some, here's some more numbers. In the last two years, uh, in the last two years, 35% of clergy in the United States have quit. 35% of clergy in the United States have quit. And most of them are the age 40 and under. 40 and under. So our young youth ministers, our young pastors, our young education ministers, uh, music ministers have quit. Um, we have so many churches uh, around the country without pastors, let alone in our state. Uh, talking to somebody from the state convention, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, three churches all in the same week uh, lost their pastor. And so uh, mo mostly to aging out. Um, uh, with that. And so uh, there are churches looking for youth ministers that have been looking for the last two or three years um, and have not found anybody. Children's ministers, music ministers are almost non-existent non and, and pastors. Uh, so many pastor, pastoral vacancies uh, out there that are uh, not filled. And, and for some churches, you know, First Baptist Rogers has been looking for two youth guys for, 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 for a few months now. And that's a big church, pays well, lots of benefits. And they've been looking uh, for a while now in First Pea Ridge, which is a pretty good church, and First West Fork, uh, another pretty good church. And they've been looking for a while and have not uh, been able to uh, fill that position. Um, and on the same side uh, with that is our teacher shortages. Now, I haven't seen any numbers for Arkansas, but uh, my friends in Florida, they're looking at uh, this August about 6,500 teachers that they will not have in their education system that they need. School starts, I think, down there in three weeks. Uh, North Carolina school starts a little bit earlier there, but they are about a thousand teachers short uh, serving uh, to teaching there. Uh, some of the things the states are doing this is this is interesting, and this is probably where for most of us go, wow, that's a bad idea. Um, I can't believe we're doing this. That doesn't make any sense, especially if you've been in the education field for a long time. I've been in and been in education 
as much as youth ministry, I've been in school administration, and this seems kind of crazy, but this is where it's at. Uh, Arizona is a state that's letting college students teach full-time in school. All right, if, you've got a, if, you're, if you've been in school, uh, I didn't read that criteria. I hope, hopefully they've had at least two years. Um, but Arizona's letting college students teach full-time pay, benefits, and they're paying for their rest of their education. Arkansas actually has started a program. I've looked into it a little bit. I don't have all the details, but Arkansas says as long as you have an associate's degree, uh, the state will pay for your bachelor's degree, and I, I think they're letting those college students teach, but I'm not sure you're shaking your head yes. Uh, they are, so if you've got an AA, uh, which means um, uh, if you graduated 18, you did two years, so uh, 20 years old, you've got uh, two years of college under your belt, uh, 20 years old, you're in a classroom teaching high school kids, junior high kids. Um, and then the state is, is paying for your degree, which, you know, if you graduated like college like four years ago, you like, I want a refund because now the state's paying for everybody, uh, right? And so, uh, but, but even that, there was a shortage of special ed teachers. So my wife got the TEACH grant, so she got her master's degree and the TEACH grant, uh, we didn't have to pay for it. The TEACH grant's paying for that, which we got one more year left and then we're like zero. So, um, and so to deal with the shortages, that's what's going on. Uh, some of the shortages in church. I, I met a guy, he's uh, doing music ministry in the church. The church hired him as a sophomore in college to be their full-time music minister. And, um, and so, uh, and they're, they're paying him, they're giving him benefits, and he's a sophomore. And he's, 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 he's now graduating in seminary. Um, but they um, just went to the college and said, hey, is there anybody in the music program that loves Jesus and wants to lead worship? And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? And, uh, and God's been calling him to ministry. You know, obviously in the ministry, you want somebody who has a calling. Um, and so uh, we had a, a young man who spoke the very last day of camp. He's 20 years old. And he's, he's actually preaching this Sunday at a church uh, in Little Rock. And so uh, he has the opportunity to potentially be full-time as a 20-year-old pastor uh, in a church. And y'all are thinking, wow, that's crazy. But there's nobody answering the call. Like, there's nobody answering the call to teach. I've had two friends that have left their vocations making a lot of money in Florida to teach because they want to make a difference in this generation. All right, so they've given up six figures to make, you know, 40-whatever uh, and teach to make a difference uh, in this generation. And, um, and we can go like, man, this is, this is probably not good in our country, but this is kind of where we're at because uh, answering the call, the International Mission Board uh, talking to the WMU uh, president for, uh, y'all know what WMU is? W-O-M? Anybody? Go ahead, chat it out. Women's Missionary Union, and they kind of go by W-O-M now, which is Women on Mission. And so the president uh, of our state was there this week, which is a missions camp, and it's the first time uh, the pre uh, WMU president uh, came to an engage camp. So this is actually exciting times. Um, but IMB is probably 300 missionaries, about 300 missionaries short of sending them onto the mission field um, uh, that's coming up. A lot of missionaries are aging out and just uh, looking at that like, you know, there used to be so many people that would, that would go. And now uh, even the International Mission Board is short on missionaries uh, going out. And, you know, what, what does that mean for the future of IMB missions? What does that look like? Uh, you know, I, I, I hope 
you know, I, I, there, there really is an urgency, and I've, and I've been watching this go on probably for the last four years, uh, because 28 years of student ministry, you just get into the mode of just doing the same thing, uh, programming the same things, going the same direction, and just, and just doing those things. And, you know, for me, having Sean here has been really good, because I, I tend to, in order for me to function well, I have to have parameters, and I function in a box. And uh, I've started playing golf. I'm a rules person, and, and, and uh, this step, this step, this step person. And so, like, for me, my wife's like, golf is perfect for you because of all the rules it has and all the specific things it has. And that's what may, may, you might be right. Uh, and that's just the way I function. And I tend to see the one, first thing, and I take the next thing, and I don't pay attention to the things around me. And, I'm, and if I'm just walking and I don't say hi, it's because something's going on in my head. And I'm just not paying attention to the world around me. I'm not ignoring you, but I, I do that a lot. And I try not to do that, but I do it, uh, I do it a lot. And, um, and, and so Sean's been really good for me to get me out of my box. We, we've been doing set diff, uh, different things uh, over the last uh, couple, couple years, three years that Sean uh, has been, been here. And it's really gotten me out of my box. Like it's, it's kicked the, it's the sides out. It's got me thinking differently. It's got me uh, moving differently. And... Um, and they're just, just, uh, just the things that are going on. And so, you know, there really is an urgency. We're talking about millions of, of Generation Z uh, that are even maybe even young professionals at this point at 25 that, that uh, are lost. They're, they're lost. 126,000 people in this country die every day and go to hell. The NAM and, and IMB have done, re- like, 126,000 people every day in this country die uh, and, and go into hell, like, there is there is an urgency there there is a need uh, we this this passage that Paul writes that he he does these things to live under the law to to hang out with people who don't eat meat sacrifice to idols like he he, he does that so he can win people for the gospel and you know so so what do I do with that what what do I do with that what can I do um, man this last year for for track season I actually quit I, I'm like I, I I told Dr Mel's like I quit. Like I'm, I've, you know, this this is four year, three years was enough for me. Uh, track has nine disciplines in it, uh, and it's hard when you're just one person or two people to teach nine disciplines of track. It's technically eight because we don't have pole vaulting. Uh, it's a lot of work when you have one group working here, one group here, one there, and one there, and you know, like all right, distance, you're gone. See you in 20 minutes while I'm working with hurdlers and sprinters, and and it's it's just really, really a lot of a lot of work, and it's really hard, and it's. You know, when you're getting home at midnight, three nights a week, uh, because you have a track meet, who knows where. Uh, it's really, really, uh, really hard. Um, but a few of us were talking before church. Like this last year, uh, had the opportunity just to talk to a lot of students and build into a lot of students, uh, to share the gospel with students. And um, and a lot of our a lot of our track team comes to to uh, youth group on Wednesday nights, and the opportunity to build in them. We had a lot, of, a lot of kids saved this last year in youth group um, and, and the opportunity to do that. And so while it is, it is time-consuming, it is stressful, uh, it has it is, it is, been a blessing. It, it has been a blessing. And so, and, and I tell my athletes this, any, any, all the years I've been coaching, I learned this from my soccer coach. I played, I played a lot of soccer. I played travel, select, club. Uh, in Florida, Florida, soccer is year-round. Matter of fact, in schools, soccer is a winter sport because of the weather. And uh, summer, it's hot, so we play indoor uh, indoor leagues, and um, and I always tell my athletes the very most important thing for you is relationship with God, above all things. You know, there there's no state title, no state champion, no practice, right? There's there's nothing 
in your life that should take the place of God in your life. And so, you know, uh, and it's easy when I'm, when I'm the coach and we have fall retreat, I'm like, well, we're not running that weekend. It's the biggest, it's the biggest race in five states, and we're, we're not going to run this year because uh, we've, we've got fall retreat uh, because that's the, most, that's the most important thing. And, uh, and so I, I do try to set the example both with, with parents and students with that. And the next thing, the next thing is, your, is your family. Right, your family is, is important, right? You, you have one family on this earth, whether good or bad, uh, right? You, you may be from a broken home. My dad died when I was five years old, single parent. Uh, there, there's so much brokenness in Generation Z uh, and even millennials. Uh, there's so much brokenness and, and families in there. Uh, so many kids at school that don't feel like they're loved or cared for by their families or by their peers uh, and, and struggling with, uh, we would call it self-esteem, and, um, and, and sometimes it just takes a word. Uh, it takes time to do that. But next is, is family. And then your school. Your schooling is important. Learning is important. Uh, gaining in knowledge is important. And then after that, you've got extracurricular activities, which are sports or drama or uh, any uh, of those extracurricular activities, because they're just extra. Right? There's extra things that we, we do. Um, and so uh, so, something I've always tried to instill, and, you know, Generation Z families have filled themselves uh, with a lot of other things other than God. Uh, when, when you look at how lost the generation is and you trace it back to there's five components that really help uh, to solidify a, a, a child's um, faith. And one is eating around the dinner table every night, um, at least five nights a week eating around the dinner table. Uh, one is, is uh, uh, having them engaged every week at church. Uh, whether it's in youth group, uh, we do Awana, and then having them in Sunday morning worship uh, is another one, having them uh, every week uh, doing that, uh, encouraging them, pushing them to having time uh, in their Bible on their own and teaching them how to do that. And so, you know, in our family, that's something we've, we've always tried to stress and, and do uh, with that. But we, we see that even with millennials and Generation Z, that those things have gone by the wayside. Um, and so... Uh, and, and just seeing the research and the correlation between those activities, uh, Focus on the Family did a huge study on that uh, several years ago uh, and published that. And so uh, right now that's a big discussion amongst uh, youth ministers um, that we're having about those things and what does it look like for the future if it doesn't change or correct or fix itself. Um, and because of that, we're on the verge of, of losing a generation uh, that, of, of lost students, and, and we're kind of already there. And it's it'll be interesting to see the next generation behind that, and, and it's really is what do we what do we do about that? So, uh, you know, for myself, and, and this, you know, I don't want to come across as harsh, but I do want to come across that this is important, right? And those of you in Gen Z probably recognize or see this around you and your peers and where they're at and what they're doing, or have people been building into you? What what is it the experiences that you're having, whether it's at church or whether it's um, uh, in your family and and you. Uh, you know, you've either experienced in this or, or you've seen it. And it's not that this generation can't be, can't be saved, can't be, can't be found. I, uh, one of the encouraging things that I've seen this last year and the year before uh, is that um, the amount of, of students that have been come to Christ the last couple of years, uh, just through uh, summer camps and uh, weekly Bible studies, uh, super summer this year, had uh, do you feel called to missions or ministry and there were over 50 students that sat in on that uh, and talked with some of the people from the state convention that uh, there, there seems to be a hunger 
uh, because of the emptiness and the void and the, and the hopelessness. And, um, and somebody says, hey, man, there's hope. Like somebody cares about you. I know your parents don't care about you. Um, I know you don't have a family. I know people at school maybe. But there's somebody who loves you, somebody who cares about you, who has uh, a for you. And, um, and so, you know, so this, this generation can be redeemed. And so what, what are the things that we do uh, to do that? Well, it starts at an early age, right? It starts when they're, they're babies. It starts when they're toddlers. Um, you know, we do have spots to serve a vacation Bible school still uh, to go. I, I know one of the greatest things, people just show up and say, hey, where do you need me? But it's a great help when you put your name on the line so that way uh, it helps to, to just to, to know and have areas covered instead of just showing up uh, to, to go wherever. Um, uh, the other thing uh, is, you know, I'm, we're always asking for preschool help. Uh, we actually, last week, if you were here, you saw that we had a lot of preschool kids that were up here uh, with, with their um, parents. And their parents are, their parents are on the, the end of Gen, uh, Gen Z, right? Maybe millennial, but, but Gen Z. And, uh, and it starts with that. And I always ask for preschool help, and there are vacancies to fill in preschool. And, uh, and, and honestly, I get tired of asking for help in preschool. Just going to be honest, uh, right? Uh, that's like the thorn in my flesh. Uh, but we have open openings, and we do have a couple people who are willing to volunteer for, for Sunday school, but we don't want to stick them for back there for 10 years uh, because that's what we tend to do with people. And, uh, and, and we do need more people for that because it starts at an early age when we're talking about reaching, uh, you know, the 25-year-olds were babies and toddlers at one point. Um, you know, some other things that, that I've done in churches, seen in churches, is, is to, to volunteer at the school, to tutor at the school. We have Tiger Time in there, and I know you might go in there and say, hey, Dr. Mellett, I'd like to volunteer during Tiger Time to tutor some student in math. All right, give up 20, day, 20 minutes. What time is that? 9.30, 9.15, Karina, what time is that in the morning? 9.30? You, don't you? You have Tiger Time. It's the afternoon, isn't it? RTI, right, RTI. Tiger Time for high school, right? Is that Tiger Time in high school? Sees how much time I pay attention. And so uh, you, will, you will blow their mind and say, hey, that. Or, hey, you want to start tutoring at the church on a Wednesday night? I'm sure we can get the bus to drop off some kids for you if you want to do some tutoring um, after school. Um, we have done this campaign, Who's Your One? I know it's getting late. I'm almost done. Um, this Who's Your One campaign, it's ping pong ball, somebody who's lost to pray for and to ultimately share the gospel with. And I've got mine. It's on my desk. It's, it's a student at the school that I've, I've got. I've been praying for. Uh, have not seen them all summer, but school will be coming back. And the opportunity to see them and at some point be able to continue to pray for them and be able to share the gospel with them uh, at some point. And, uh, and we still have balls uh, available um, for you to take to put their initial on there, name on there. Uh, because uh, as Christians, we are to share the gospel with people. Right? We're supposed to uh, evangelize and to share. One of the things at Student Leadership University was Who's Your One, which this is the ping pong balls are based off of, and there's a 30-day devotional, and infused into the, our student leaders that it is important uh, and mandatory that to share the gospel with people, because as Christians, we are called to, we are commanded. Our mission shirts uh, that we got this year from Engage says on the back of the Great Commission, because Jesus said so, in a bunch of weird lingo. Um, but it's on the back because Jesus said so, period, exclamation point. And, um, and infusing that, and that has been a theme this summer that uh, 
if you've had a student go to those trips that they've been uh, around. I'll, I'll kind of close with this, just one, one, last, one last story. Um, I, I talk about our student leaders quite a bit. There's four of them right now. We're looking at adding probably three or four more. Uh, any, any other students interested in that see me? There is an interview process. You have to write your testimony out, and there are requirements uh, that you need to do. But I close with this story because uh, I shared it with Sean probably mm, about, uh, probably about eight months ago or so. Uh, is that we have a student, and all of our student leaders are gifted uniquely in, in different uh, areas. Um, but we have one student who. Uh, junior high girl, and she, uh, as a 13-year-old, uh, does uh, the Version app, has Bible studies that you can do, uh, and you can invite people that are on that app. And so I have, I have a, a girl who invites uh, teachers, invites parents, invites her peers into a Bible study online. And then um, as you read it, and, that, and you know, she can see when you've read it, and then you can add comments that everybody can see, so you can have a discussion. FCA uses this a, a lot. And... Um, in their Bible studies. And so, uh, to which, and, and I've, at one point I was in like five Bible studies a day because there are students in our youth group that also do, students not in our youth group that also do that then invited me to it. And if there's a student who wants to study the Bible, I will study the Bible with them, right, and, and make comments and stuff. And so, so she's doing that, and I was, I was amazed uh, of the people in some of these Bible study groups seeing that, that the 13-year-old who is uh, inviting and, and, and facilitating this Bible study with somebody two, three, four times her age doing this. Uh, and on top of that, uh, she has a group text each week to remind them to come to Bible study at school and remind them to come to Bible study on Wednesday nights. And as you can imagine, our middle school girls is by far our largest group on Wednesday nights. It is almost two to one of everybody else, if not the whole youth group. Um, and, and a 13-year-old who has limited resources, uh, just has a, a piece of technology, um, is advancing the gospel uh, and sharing it with her peers as a 13-year-old. Like, Sean and I were like, man, like, we should be the ones setting the pace and the example for students, not the students setting the pace and the example for us. Um, and this in individual has sat down and uh, uh, students have accepted, it's all been girls this last year that have come to Christ. And so Abby and, and Hallie have been sitting down with them uh, from, from time to time. There's a new believers book and sitting down with them and going through scripture with them to do that, um, which has been, been awesome and amazing. And to see students who were lost, who are now found, who are now pursuing Jesus uh, each day. And so, uh, you know, the challenge you know, the challenge this morning, like there's, there's, man, this generation, and you're thinking, man, I have done my time. You're still alive. You can still keep going, right? Still keep going uh, because there's a need. There's millions upon millions of students who are lost in this country. They are in our schools. They're in our communities. Uh, you can just look at the, one of the things we've been doing in this area is how many students are in our schools and then how many students come to church regularly and in their Bible regularly and it just follows the same statistics uh, that I said about Gen, Gen Z. Um, just across, across the line, it's in our area, right? It's the same numbers in our area. And so parents, uh, you know, if you want help, need help, encouragement, I'm here. Um, you know, I don't have all the answers. I'm, I'm doing what I think God's called me to do the best I can, trying to train students to do that, to reach their generation, uh, because it is, they are different, right? They're different than... Uh, you know, Betty and Daryl's generation, my generation, right? they're, they're different. And so, but they need Jesus. So 
With that, I'm going I'm to pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the time that we've had uh, together, uh, Lord, this morning. I know it's been long. Uh, Lord, I just, I'm so passionate about this generation and, and seeing them uh, save, Lord, to have a relationship with you, to grow in you, Lord. I, I pray for the students that you uh, are calling to our, our youth ministry, Lord, our children's ministry. Lord, school is starting soon, and, and Lord, there's so much lostness. Lord, press upon our hearts what we can do uh, to help uh, reach the lost, uh, Lord, in our world, whether it's our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, or the students at our, our school and our area. Lord, just uh, push us and, and move us in that area, Lord, not just as individuals, but as a church. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, hope you all have a great day. I don't know if you noticed, there's, there's, rain is in the forecast for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So, and VBS is tonight, starts at 6, so registration probably about 5.45.